Welcome to Group Work. I'm your host, Katie K. May, and I interview mental health therapists to find out what happens in the space where group therapy takes place. Take a deep breath and find your seat inside the circle. This episode of Group Work is about to get started. Shannon Pierce is a therapist, blogger, clinical supervisor, and practice owner at Catalyst Counseling. Shannon specializes in the treatment of grief and loss, anxiety, group counseling, and clinical supervision. Catalyst Counseling began offering one online group when COVID hit and now offers seven different groups with multiple group facilitators. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Katie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I love this textured piece of art behind you. I don't know what it is, but I'm noticing it and I like it. (laughs) Thank you. Just a nice background. (laughs) Yes, you're working it. We're all working our Zoom backgrounds. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I'm so thrilled to have you here today. I know that we've been connected, you know, off and on throughout your group journey and you're doing some amazing things. Oh, thank you. Of course. I've given the formal introduction, but I always like to give an opportunity for for my guests to introduce themselves authentically. So tell our listeners who you are and and what you're all about. Sure. I'm Shannon Hears. I'm a licensed therapist and I'm an owner of a group practice, Catalyst Counseling, that's located in the Denver metro area of Colorado. Why I'm here today is because I have a passion for grief and loss counseling, and I co-facilitate a grief support group with another group practice in the community, which I would love to talk about that partnership a little bit. So grief and loss is certainly one of our um, specialty areas in our group practice, but we also serve adults, more general stuff like anxiety, depression, perinatal mental health, trauma, EMDR, kind of the, the catchment areas for us. Yeah, I love, so you're already teeing up some really, you know, great questions that I want to ask you around this collaboration (laughs) and partnership and some of the specialty areas that you have. So I'm excited to dig into your group content and I want to learn a little bit more about you first. Do you have a fun fact about you from your younger years? Something that tells, you know, me, us, who is Shannon behind the scenes? What can you tell us about you? Oh my gosh, I don't know if this is a flattering fact or not, (laughs) but I'm terrible at directions, Katie. Mm. I will go into a store, like if you're in a mall, you know, maybe you turn right into a store, you know, and then I'll come out of the store and I'll have no idea which way to go out of that, which way I was currently going. So I often end up lost a lot. I moved to Colorado when I was in my early 20s. And actually it has gotten a lot better because the mountains are to the West of me. So I always know which direction is West as long as it's not cloudy, which it's not a lot here. (laughs) So you have like a giant marker that helps you know where you are and what you're doing. Oh my gosh. It's, you know, and GPS has certainly helped with that, (laughs) but you know, when we were younger, we didn't have that. So, so I guess I would say I was lost a lot when I was younger. Okay. Should we take that mm-hmm. metaphorically and literally as most of the therapists that I speak with are like, I got here because I wanted to be the person for me or make a difference in a way that I needed. And I'm going to pretend that's what you were saying. I don't know. If you were saying <laughs> sure. <that>. Sure. <laughs> Always. Well, I appreciate that. I also appreciate GPS. I myself am not, I'm directionally challenged. So I think that technology can be a beautiful thing as it is in your providing your groups. It sounds like your groups have expanded a lot through COVID and going from this one to seven online groups or maybe, you know, where you're at now. So 
Yeah, for sure. It's been amazing. And I wouldn't have thought of doing groups, honestly, before COVID. I like groups. I've been trained in groups. I've done them for a long time, but I guess I wouldn't have thought of bringing them into private practice until COVID hit. And then so many people were so isolated and they just didn't have access to their normal support system anymore. And so since since we started one, we have expanded to seven and there's actually two groups were starting another round of adding an additional component of that same group group because they are becoming so popular. That's incredible. And I still feel, you know, COVID's not done. It's still here. You know, people still don't have their normal lives yet. So I do feel like group work is so powerful right now. I agree 100%. So tell us about the grief group. Give me like the general overview, who it's for, what it's about, and then we'll, we'll break down some details based on what, what feels important to you. Sure. So I noticed that there was a need in our community first. So I'm pretty dialed into our local networking groups in the community for private practice owners. And I noticed that a lot of people were looking for grief support groups. And I thought, wow, I really want to do this. But I didn't feel like I had one, the full expertise to really run the group by myself, as well as the, even though grief is one of our specialties, it wasn't, we didn't have enough clients to kind of move them into getting the group started. So I talked with another group practice owner locally, Colorado in-home counseling, and they actually focus on grief and loss. And they thought it was a great idea that we could co-facilitate a group and figure out how to do that partnership. So we figured out the logistics. They gave us a counselor who is really really an expert in grief and loss, I would say, has a background in hospice work, just like that's her her thing, her niche. And so what I brought to the table was I felt really comfortable running the groups, you know, doing, providing the structure for the groups and doing the groups. So we had a group person and then a kind of a content expert. And so we got the group up and growing. And what it looks like is it's a grief support group. So we meet weekly for an hour It is a closed group, so you're seeing the same people every week, which is also a change. We felt like there wasn't a group like that in the community. There were a lot of grief support drop-in groups, you know, maybe the hospitals or other agencies offer, but we knew there wasn't a closed group. So we felt like it was really important for people to be coming and seeing the same people every week. So it is an ongoing group, so it doesn't have an end date. We just started it this fall, but the idea is that when someone feels like they've kind of reached the maximum benefit of the group or they want to graduate, then they can and we'll give them a nice send off and open up the spot for someone else to join. This is such a beautiful offering. And there's so there's parts of this I want to tease out. One is just the the collaboration and connection between two different practices, which I think is so unique and also amazing. You know, when we think about the power of groups, that power of connection is there two groups coming together too with your group expertise and her, you know, grief and loss expertise. It really this like this partnership really excites me to hear about. And then the part of what you're saying, having this consistent container for people that are experiencing grief and loss and not the drop in nature of some of the other, I would say like non-clinical support groups that may be available for griefs. 
For sure. Because one of the things, Katie, that people struggle with their grief journey is that they just, they feel so alone. You know, they feel like other people don't understand their loss. You know, maybe it's a couple months after the loss of a loved one happened and other people have kind of moved on with their life, but that person, it's still significantly the most important thing going on in their life every day. And so they, they run out of people to talk to about the loss. They run out of people who understand you know, and they feel like, oh, people think I should just be over it now, you know? And so coming to the group, you're with people who really get it. They understand maybe they're not the exact same place as you are in your grief journey, but they understand you don't just get over it quickly and it takes a while and it may take up to a year or even longer to kind of get through that. So I do think that's the power of a grief support group that it offers, you know, as opposed to kind of individual therapy for grief and loss, which is also very important and very very good, but you don't get kind of that, that, uh, sense of the group all feeling the same thing, that normalizing and validating part yes, that you don't get. Yeah. We've <laughs> got <the> it. <laughs> I'm curious how you define loss in terms of inclusion criteria for this group, because I know at especially this, you know, COVID times, there have been so many different kinds of losses. So what specifically must a person meet in terms of their criteria to be a part of this group? We did think about this for quite a while because there are have been so many losses, exactly as you just said. So our inclusion criteria is if someone has lost a loved one within the past year. And so we're a little flexible on that year mark, but, you know, within that time. And when we say a loved one could be a family member, a close friend, you know, a coworker, someone who was very significant in that person's life, who is a loved one. We decided not to do loss associated with kind of relationship separation Mm -hmm. or divorce or breakup, because that's really kind of a different type of loss. And that's more specific. We also decided not to include pet loss. While that is very Mm. significant for some people, we felt like for some of the other group members, if there's a comparison, wow, I lost a partner versus someone else lost a pet. We don't want there to be any resentment there. Sure. I think that makes it really clear what you're saying. Someone who's lost a loved one within the past year. So that's different than you know, like you're saying divorce, or even I'm thinking missed opportunity losses, which are are really present right now for a lot of people, but different. And so maybe, you know, better served by a group specific to that thing than, than what you're offering. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, Katie, most of the people in our group, I want to say have had their loss happen unexpectedly. Hmm. So that is not an inclusion criteria, but that tends to be the people who are seeking out a grief support group. Right, right. And when you say support group, I want to understand what this structure looks like. Is it like process group? Like walk me through start to finish one group and what I might expect as a part of it. So we call it a support group because we're not coming in with curriculum. We're not coming Mm -hmm. in with psychoeducation. Certainly we sprinkle it throughout. Oh, this is what you're, this is the name of what you're feeling, or this is the concept of what you're dealing with. So it's really what each group member brings to the group that day that they want to discuss. So initially, you know, once everyone's been introduced and we have everyone in the group, they know each other. The first question that we'll ask is, if you feel comfortable answering this, share a win that you've had in the last week, if you've had one with regards to your grief journey, and share a challenge that you've had, like what's the hardest thing you've been dealing with in the past week. And so we do a round and we have each member do that. 
And then the, the facilitators, our role is to really kind of find those connections between members and start generating discussion based on those common themes. And so then we, there's, there is a processing part. It's not interpersonal processing per se. It's not kind of how they're relating to each other. It's more kind of content related, you know, how each person is experiencing the loss. Oh, I, I understand you because I felt the same thing yesterday too. And so facilitating those connections between group members that way. So that's what the bulk of the group will look like. And then we do a really neat thing at the end of the group, Katie. We have a healing bowl. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, please tell me. Yeah, it's um, so my co-facilitator actually uses it and it's supposed to kind of promote healing <laughs> and health. And at the end of each group, after we do a closing round of what are you going to get out of this or what is one thing you're going to take away from the group, she'll ring the bowl for each lost one and we'll say that person's name and we'll do kind of several seconds of silence. That's so beautiful. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> it's a really nice way to end the group and to to just honor everyone and to say their names, you know, yeah. because once the loss happens, people's names just get forgotten sometimes. So so I really enjoy that that's how we end our groups. I have chills. That is a really powerful activity. I love that so much. And it's making me wonder what it's like for you as a group leader in the room with this kind of group. I'm I'm aware that you're you're hearing people's stories, you're hearing the memories of loved ones that, that's being carried through, and you're you're holding that with them. And I'm I'm curious like the emotional stuff that comes up for you or or how you're how you're participating in that. It can be hard at times for sure. And there's a lot of emotion in every single group, Katie. I mean, if if no one cries, we're like, what did we do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a lot of opening up. There's a lot of being vulnerable. As a group facilitator, I think it's it's part of learning how to do grief and loss counseling. You have to be empathetic enough to be able to kind of meet them where they're at and kind of name those hard feelings and sit with them in it. But also you can't let it sit in deep inside of you, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and carry it with you. So I always make sure that I have a break at the end of each group, like That's a break smart. from work. So I put everything down. I go have dinner. I go hug my kids if I'm at home, you know, something mm-hmm. that kind of brings me back to, to kind of a normal world. I would never be able to do a grief group and then an appointment immediately after that. Really good advice to just know how to manage your energy if you have something heavier like that, because you can, there is the potential to carry that on if we're not being intentional about how to take that space. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What have you found is typically, I'm trying to think of the right words to say this, like the reason that people feel ready to leave group, like, is it that they've, you know, it's a feeling, they just feel more resolved. Is there some goal that they were trying to achieve of like, now I can finally, you know, sleep on the other side of the bed. Like what, what are some of the themes and what you notice when people are ready to move on from group? I think it would be, and again, we haven't actually had this happen, but I think it would be, Katie, when people are a little bit closer or have reached kind of the the official stage of acceptance in their grief loss. 
and acceptance again doesn't mean that they're fine with what happened it just means that they feel like they they've processed everything they've gone through maybe all the firsts all the anniversaries that they've had they've dealt with their triggers they have a support group around them now where they didn't before and they're ready to move forward with their life as opposed to kind of staying stuck in in the loss in the past yeah So group really gives them the support. It normalizes their experience. They get peer validation and they also gain the traction to move forward in a way that makes sense for them and their journey. It sounds like it's so, it's so needed. I don't know what other word to say other than that. Like, I'm glad you're doing this because I'm, you know, it seems like people are getting a lot from the experience. I know you said it's not curriculum based, but like any tools or resources or inspiration that, that you can bring those themes and topics into this group. Sure. We do actually have, my co-facilitator prepares, you know, kind of a theme or a topic with certain questions to ask the group if the discussion is slow. And sometimes she'll pull those out and sometimes she won't. So it'll be a theme kind of related to trying to think maybe one was on self-care. What are you doing to kind of take care of yourself in the midst of this? Or another theme was like, how are you interacting in the outside world now? How's your loss changed? How you kind of approach things now in your life moving? Yeah, moving forward. So that was a good one. So she'll always come with kind of an idea of what to present if, if we're not able to kind of get people talking enough or find the themes between them. But honestly, that we don't need that. I think there's enough, enough that people want to say, want to share that, sure. that it could just happen organically. How do you navigate your roles as co-leaders? Like I know clearly how that works with DBT co-leaders. They each have a role and kind of a, a responsibility within the group. So can you speak to what each of your responsibilities or, or roles are within this group? So the way we decided to break that up is that I would provide kind of the structure for the group and help with the process of it, the connection of the members and stuff like that. And she, the co-facilitator, would provide more kind of content. So I start out the groups, I end the groups, I get everyone talking, and she kind of jumps in with kind of content information, maybe psychoeducation, or maybe asking the question she said. So I would say it's been a, we hadn't met each other before we started the group, interestingly. And yeah, and clearly, like, you have to have good energy kind of with your co-facilitator. And I think we were just lucky that it really worked out. (laughs) I can't say that that would be the case with everyone, for sure. But, you know, we're both very experienced, I would say, in our field. And, you know, I know when to step back and let her talk. And I think she has a good idea of, of when to do that with me also. It's good to have that intuition to know how to bounce off of each other and not undermine or overtake each other. So it sounds like you're, you're working together really well. That's exciting. Go ahead. Surprisingly. So, and the whole idea was for me maybe to step out of the group after she felt confident, you know, kind of running the group herself. And we talked the other day and I don't really want to step out. It's such a, such a great and powerful group and such a good group experience. And we just play off each other really well that we decided just to keep going with, with both of us as the co-facilitators. That's amazing. Partnership Mm. made to happen. Right. (laughs) Do you require any sort of intake? Is there any screening process or is it just like whoever wants to be in is in? 
We do do a a screening process. We call it a group screening. And for anyone that is already a client of either of our practices, we offer that for free because we already have the clinical information. They've probably already talked to their therapist about it. We already know they're probably appropriate for group. Right. Anyone who is an external uh, client who comes in and wants the grief group, we do have them go through this screening process. And I ask a little bit about, I'm the one who does those. And I ask a little bit about some symptoms. I want to make sure that there's no significant trauma that may pop up. Or if there is, I want to know what it is. I want to assess whether or not they are actively suicidal. And if they are, that they they have an individual therapist that is going to support them and will coordinate care. If we have someone who's, you know, suicidal and doesn't have that external support, they would not, we screen them out usually. Yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of our screening process. That makes sense. So making sure they're a good fit. And most of the time, if they're in-house, you already know the fit is there. Mm-hmm. Right. Is there anything particularly challenging or that you find to be challenging in running these groups? I'm curious if there's, you know, golden nuggets of learning that you can share about what was hard for you that you can help others not struggle through along the way. One of the things I think group leaders are always wary about is, is the group going to connect? Are these the right people coming together? And it just happened to be. With this being such a broad topic, grief support for adults who have lost a loved one. I mean, we could have people from age 18 to 99 or older, you know, potentially. So there could be a huge age range there. And so there's a big developmental difference between, you know, a young adult and kind of an older adult. And so we were a little little nervous about whether it would really work. And it actually ended up working really well. Some of the more mature members of our group have really kind of led the way and helped model how to appropriately share their emotion and open up for some of the younger members. And it's been really, really great. It seems almost like having that, you know, diverse age range and group of people, just like you're saying, they can learn from each other. And as long as I've had this experience in the past where I've had older teens, like, oh, once you're not a freshman, you won't be dealing with that. As long as you don't have that, you know, narrative going throughout, then it seems like it's a beneficial process. I think so. From what we've seen, we haven't had issues like that, but it, you know, it's always a worry. We are starting a second grief group because the one we have is full and we have more interest. So, you know, that's always a worry of mine. Okay. What will the second group look like? (laughs) Yeah. And they all have their own vibe, right? Like Mm -hmm. you'll you'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. All right. Top tip for a new therapist, if they wanted to run or get started running a group's grief support group in their area, what would you impart to them as wisdom for getting started in the process? The first thing would be make, just make sure you feel comfortable with grief and loss. And if you don't have extra training or consultation or support around that, then it's probably going to be too much for a newer therapist, I would say. If you feel really confident kind of in the content area, and then you feel really confident kind of running the groups, then I think the next most important thing is to kind of, is there a need in the community? You know, is this something that people are asking for or other therapists are asking for, for their clients? And how can you connect with those therapists that are going to refer people to you? Because I think that's how you're going to get most of the referrals and fill your group. I love that. So looking for the need, making sure you personally are comfortable getting yourself started before you get the group started. It sounds like that's a common theme. Get yourself (laughs) ready first. (laughs) Right. Well, Shannon, you're doing amazing things out in the community. Tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more about you and what you do. 
Great. So our website is catalystcounseling.com and that's spelled C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-S counseling. So it's a play on the word catalyst. And our grief support group is actually open to anyone outside of Colorado because it's considered a support group and not a therapy group. So we try to be really careful about kind of towing that line between Mm. support and therapy. So if you go to our group's counseling page, we have, as Katie recommended, a specific landing page for our grief support group. So you can definitely check us out there. We have many other groups that are available, some therapy groups that are just for in-state, you know, clients and, and a lot of other support groups that are open to everyone. Love this. So your your website correctly spelled will be linked below your podcast. <laughs> and I'm so thrilled to hear that anyone can access this, that, you know, making an impact all over the place. Really excited about that. Well, thank you again, Shannon. And I'm excited about everything you're doing. Thank you so much, Katie. It was wonderful to be on here and see you again. Hey, groupie. Thanks for listening. For more resources on how you can market, fill, and run your group in private practice, check me out at becomeagroupguru.com.